Damn, son, where'd you find this? You are now tuning into Bros Let's Talk. Let's talk. Pat here with Andy today. No Jimmy. Jimmy's busy being a dad. Um, we are still an active podcast, contrary to <laughs> us having come out with an episode in a while, but um, we've been really busy, and then we had some technical difficulties last week. So we're still going at it, though. Jimmy is doing dad stuff this weekend. He had uh, stuff going on for Alex's birthday. So, me and Andy wanted to make sure we put one out, though. There's some stuff to talk about. So, we're pretty much just going to freestyle it today. Shoot the shit, extended shoot the shit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's what we're going to do, though. So, let's just jump right in, dude, and shoot the shit. Uh, what do you want to lead with? NBA draft? NBA, for sure. So, yeah, the draft was last Thursday. Uh, DeAndre Ayton from Arizona was the number one pick to the Suns, which was kind of expected, I think. Uh, But the Bulls ended up with uh, Wendell Carter Jr. at number seven out of Duke, which was nice. Trey Young got picked by the – ended up on the Hawks. There was a trade between the Hawks and the Mavericks. Um, But I I was afraid – we were all kind of talking when we recorded the one last week, which we ended up putting out. Um, that we were afraid of that pick and, and that happening. So I was happy to see that not even have the opportunity to make the pick um, because I feel like the Bulls would have made it. And, yeah, and it seemed that way. And, I, th- and I, I feel like he, as far as talent-wise, is going to be the biggest boom or bust pick in that draft. Um, I think Michael Porter could end up being the biggest boom or bust as far as his injuries and whatnot. Um but yeah, Trey Young, with a team like the Bulls where they're in rebuild mode, I I think there's certain places where you can take risks, um, but it's not with your first pick, lottery pick. Like you were saying in our text thread, you know, we tried tanking this year and we still only ended up with the seventh pick. So it's not often that you're going to get a high enough pick to take a, take a difference maker. And I think Trey Young would have been too big of a gamble there. Um, He might turn out to be the next Steph Curry, which is where all the comparisons are and whatnot. But he could also be, I kind of look at him, I'm not in the belief that he's going to end up being good. I think of him more of like a... uh, Jimmer? uh, Not Jimmer. I don't think he'll be that big of a bust, but just a guy that... You know, it was kind of like your sixth man, your backup point guard comes in, can make a few threes. Um, I don't know. I just, I wasn't in the boat to take him that early. So I was glad that the Hawks wanted him. Yeah, and I think the Steph Curry comparisons are a little bit easy to where you just see this guy out there who's kind of smaller, but Steph's not really that small. Steph's 6'3", and he's pretty cut, but... It's just convenient because he's taking shots from all over the court. And, and he does, you know, he does seem to have um, 
unlimited range and pretty good handle with the ball, but he's he's probably 5'10". I know he's listed at 6'1", but he's really small, and that size is just something that you can't. I know he's only 19. He might grow a little bit more, but generally um, when someone's pushing that size, they're not going to grow a lot more. You know, when you have these, you see big guys sometimes where they grow because their hands and feet are still massive and they're growing into their bodies, but only time will tell. That's kind of the crazy thing about the draft is it. time is the only thing that tells who had a good draft. Because I know you look at guys like Paul George. I think he was like the 10th pick the, the year that he came out, maybe even later right. than that. And, and he's ended up being a number one Jimmy option. Butler's a great example. Yeah, Butler. Um, Malcolm Brogdon was uh, rookie of the year last year. And he was the 36th pick, so second round pick. Yeah. Obviously, Draymond Green. So they're... There are guys that you can find later on in the draft. And at the, at 22, the Bulls went with Chandler Hutchison from Boise State, who there was rumors that they had a promise to him because he stopped doing workouts when he came around through Chicago. And there was, yeah, there's there's reports out there that the Bulls had a promise to him like a month ago that they'd pick him if he was there. So he stopped which working I, out. Which I don't understand at all. Well, really, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. You'd think that any player would want to just continue to work out to improve their stock as much as possible going into the draft. And it's kind of a risk to take, for especially for the player, but for the Bulls to be locked into someone so hard at, at number 22 when there's, you know, I mean, there's not a ton out there at that point, but it's just kind of a weird thing. Like, uh, it's a weird, It's a weird thing to do because... At 22, that gets into the realm where teams start picking for need rather than best player available. So guys can slip a little bit that maybe they were originally supposed to be like a 13, 14 pick, but then 15, 16, 17 were all need picks. And you get the best player available that could have been like a 13, 14 pick. But then you've got this promise locked into a guy that from from what I've read, I, I don't know the guy's game. I'm going to be flat out there. But what it sounds like is it was a safe but not sexy pick. Which is what both uh, first-round picks seem yes, like. agreed. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. But we kind of talked about it, too. It just sucks because in this NBA landscape that we're currently in, where you pretty much need three superstars on your team in order to compete even for a title, you don't really even know if, if you know, you try and put together a team as best you can through the draft and free agency, but even at this point, the the stage that the Bulls are at, we're still a couple years out from knowing if if we even have a chance at contending, and right. that's just you know th- potentially three to four more years of just mediocrity. While someone like LeBron or Kevin Durant or you know any of these guys who can become free agents anywhere they go instantly become title contenders, and the Bulls just don't ever really get this. They don't seem to get consideration when those big guys, big name guys, are available. I know when the first time LeBron was available, there were reports that picked up that he was possibly considering coming here, but I think it was all smoke and mirrors. And yep, and honestly, you know, it's good that they're trying to be smart with the draft and draft quality players that are going to be solid for years to come. But unless they get 
one of these big free agent guys, they're never going to compete for a title and, and sucks. Yeah, and that's the thing with those free agency hotspots is apart from Miami, which just had D Wade and then recruited Bosch, recruited LeBron. Most of the teams have to build organically a good base before they can attract those free agents like Golden State. Yeah, definitely. They just built a really great team before they recruited Kevin Durant. And then Kevin Durant wanted to come, obviously, because they were the best team in the league. Um, LeBron seemingly went back to Cleveland because they drafted the number one pick Kyrie, had a good base. They went out and got Kevin Love. Um, you kind of have to, you have to build a base. Nobody's going to want to come and play with Chris Dunn or Laurie Markkinen just because, you know, they're trending upwards. Um, so I don't know if, who knows, these guys could end up being studs. Um, well, that's the thing too. It's just like the end of the day, you're, you know, you're right. Like you can't just give up you know what i mean you have mm-hmm. to just like do what you can to make moves and try and and i do think they have a good thing going i do like Lori markinen i think he's a solid piece and if he can continue to to bulk up a little bit more and um you know be more of a force on the uh rebound and defensive end um just a little bit you know it doesn't have to be an all nba rim protector i think carter that's going to be more his realm but if Lori can be good enough and then chris dunn um you know, if he can just continue to trend upwards. The only thing that's frustrating is now we're getting the reports that they potentially aren't all in on Zach Levine and they might let him test free agency to see, because he is a restricted free agent, so they can match any right. offer he gets. But they're thinking about letting him test the waters, which is weird because he was one of the, he was probably the main piece. I know Chris Dunn came too, but he was the main cog in the Definitely. Jimmy Butler trade. He was a guy, he averaged almost 20 points a game. Um, his last year in Minnesota, and that was pretty much in a sixth-man role. Uh, so he's got a lot of potential. He's a freak athlete who's a decent shooter, and if he can kind of put his game together, he's the one He's the one guy who's got superstar qualities to where if he right. can figure I, it out, I completely he has the highest ceiling. So, And I, I don't really know. So I don't know I don't why they why get... would let him walk. Like, of all the right. guys, why are you letting Zach Levine, the guy with the most upside, why are you letting him test the waters? I know they have a lot of cap space, so they can probably match whatever he gets, but who knows? Some desperate team maybe just throws a shit ton of money at him, yep. and then you just took on an unnecessarily big contract that you might not have had to if you know if you do want to match it. Yeah, I just don't get the logic of letting him test when, like, I don't know if they're going to let him walk tank that year, but then, like, then your guys that you've gotten in the draft are starting to develop. They're starting to get into their primes in a year or two. Like, I just, I don't understand it. You can't plan on being bad two years from now. You should start being up, like, rising up the mountain to get to that point that you want to be. And then letting your seemingly best player walk would be just, I think, an absolute mistake. I don't understand it at all. Right. And I... I kind of wonder, too, why more guys don't show more interest in coming to Chicago. I mean, when you talk about, or whenever you hear that people talk about reasons why guys would want to sign places, you know, they want to go play with, like, a young roster in a big city, 
stuff. And Chicago checks a lot of the boxes when people talk about like reasons players want to go. You know, from a business yep. aspect, you could you could make money from endorsements being in here, and but you never really hear anyone show major interest in coming here. I don't know if it's maybe the legacy of Jordan hanging over everything, um, but that's been you so to, long you ago. You have to think that right. Yeah, it's so long ago now. You'd think someone would want to come in and build that legacy. And that's why seeing D. Rose, you know, what what happened to his career was so frustrating because he was homegrown. He came in here, you know, the NBA rigged the lottery so the Bulls would get the number one pick that year. And then he came in and it was a homegrown superstar who wanted to stay yep. and win with the Bulls and his body just didn't allow that. So, and obviously we've been in shambles ever since then, but it's, I don't know, it's, I I think the Bulls had a solid draft, but, and again, you just look at the fact that they they lost that coin, or they won that coin flip, technically, with the Kings, and then the Kings end up launching up to the two spot and getting Bagley, which, which would have been a game changer. I mean, if the Bulls... If that was the Bulls scenario, we'd be having a completely different conversation right now, talking oh, about 100%. how they could be competing. And um, but let's talk a little bit more about. Um, I, we touched on Trey Young. I thought that was interesting too, only because uh, Luka Doncic was actually the pick for the Hawks, and then they agreed um, there. I guess they agreed to make that pick and then send it to the Mavericks. Um, who selected Trey Young? Because it's such a weird situation; they can't like announce the trade right away. Right. Um, so it's like Doncic got picked, and he has a Hawks hat on, but you already know that he's going to the Mavericks, and they're doing the interview and everything. And then you, we, we texted about this. They announced the pick right before the Bulls pick, so they come back, and Adam Silver goes up, and he's like, "We have the first trade of the," and I'm like, "Oh my, oh my god. god!" I'm thinking they. I- I'm thinking they traded back. I'm like, how do they, how, how? I almost had a goddamn heart attack when he said that. All I was thinking was that, oh my God, they traded back into like the 15 spot. We don't draft an uh, an instant player. Right. This is like a wait and see guy. And oh my God, that was a nightmare. So then obviously they, they announced the Doncic for Trey Young trade. So it's just kind of interesting seeing that you know most people had Luka Doncic rated in the top in their top three as the number one guard coming in from from what it looks like from his highlight tapes. I know he played in Europe, but he's playing in pretty much the second best league in the world. Um, he played for Real Madrid, I think, um, or Barcelona, I think FC Barcelona. or the yeah, it's like the say whatever Messi played for. It's the basketball version of that, right. I believe. Um, and he won the MVP in that in that league. They won the championship. He's got good size, good handles. Um, he just seemingly has more potential than Trey Young. So for the Hawks to really view Trey Young in that light and make that and they trade, got what like a twenty twenty one first round yeah, pick. That, exactly, it was him and a pick. So <laughs> it, it's just really weird. Um, there's a lot of like. Uh, Mikhail Bridges got picked by the yeah. Sixers, which he was a hometown guy. He went to Villanova, lived, grew up in Philadelphia area. So it was his and I mom, thought that was a great yeah, pick for the Sixers. His mom works for the Sixers, um, and they were all excited. And then six picks later, he gets traded to the Suns for Zaire Smith and uh, a 2021 yep. pick as well, I think, or a 2020 pick. 
Right. Which is a good move for the Suns when you I mean they got they come away with Aiton and Bridges out of the first round. Yep. That Zaire Smith guy though, I was watching some video on him. He's like a freak athlete, so that really? could be a good piece. I mean, just because uh, the Sixers are more to where they need pieces now, I feel like, because they've got their yep. main cogs kind of in place. Um, but, yeah, just uh, the, you know, the draft's always kind of interesting to see how it folds down. You mentioned Michael Porter fell down a little bit. He ended up getting – he was the last pick of the lottery. The Nuggets picked him at 14. Um, which is which is great for them. Yeah. Because like, they were – we, I mean, we talked they about played, it. They uh, played – a winner-take-all game to make the playoffs last year, last game of the season. So, yep. they, I mean, that's a guy who doesn't need to come in and be a superstar. Yep. And and he very well might be. We talked about it. He was the number one overall, like, consensus pick at the beginning of last year. And he had all these injury issues. And then he there were reports coming out that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't pass the ball. He doesn't fit well in the system. He doesn't really play defense. Um and I, I was a little bit biased because I got to see firsthand. I owned Missouri in that Calcutta league that I was oh, in, yeah. and I I watched his only three games that he played this year. Yeah, it was all he like was the, the SEC or NCAA tournament, I think. Right, right, yeah. And he was he was so polarizing where he would pull up from three, and he'd nail one, and then he'd pull up from three again, and he'd fucking airball it, and it was just like. I don't know. I didn't want to touch him, but at 14, you figure the risk reward at 14 rather than seven is much, much better. Like oh, yeah. You can, you can miss at the 14 pick. Like you said, they're already a, a borderline playoff team. If he ends up being a bust or has these injury issues, then you can, you can deal with a 14 pick not really hitting. No, I agree there. I think the big winner of the night, to be honest, was the people at home because there were some hot moms. Oh, dude, Doncic's mom, Doncic's total mom smoke, for sure. and then Mikhail Bridges' mom, pretty hot too. Yep. Um, I know that's what's it's kind of funny when with when you think about the draft because it's so predominantly freshmen that get drafted for the most part. Yep. So it's not really that surprising to see all these. So you got you got all the moms and then all the girlfriends that are latched on waiting for their boyfriend's big payday right oh my gosh <laughs> such a and uh did you, i forget whose mom it was one one of the moms had like the most jacked back that i've ever oh, seen yeah. in my entire uh, life shit i think it was it might have been zaire smith's actually. yeah i think you're right i, I think it was like huge tracks. like straight up bodybuilder <laughs> dude it was the most insane thing ever oh that was great but yeah, so I mean, like we said, only time will tell. It seems like there's a few sure things in the draft. It would be surprising if Aiton or Bagley weren't didn't pan out. Um, right. But you know, we'll I see. I think Carter's a solid pick for the Bulls, so um, hopefully he can come in and, and be a. I think I think he's piece. a really good complement to Laurie. Yeah, because Laurie had a he had a solid freshman year. Um, but he's not the greatest rebounder, and he's not the greatest, like like you said, protect the rim guy. And that's exactly what Carter is. He's a phenomenal rebounder and a phenomenal shot blocker. So I think the two of them working together down low will be really great. Hopefully Lopez can kind of mentor Carter a little bit for the time being, and then hopefully they can ship off that contract mid-year or something like that. But 
I think they'll be solid. I think both picks were solid. Like we said, safe, but not sexy. Yeah, I think that's a good point that you bring up, too. In the meantime, you know, if you can get value for Lopez midseason, mm-hmm. that would be ideal. But in the meantime, I mean, it's a good he's a good veteran for Carter to come in and kind of learn from. And I feel like Lopez is a good locker room guy. Um, and any he's a guy, he's pretty solid, though, too. So I think he will actually have some mm-hmm. trade value. Um, they come they talked about shipping him off. Uh, teams were teams were inquiring about him during the deadline last year. So hopefully he starts out solid and kind of raises his value up, maybe get a second rounder or something like that for him and take a little bit of that uh, contract off our books as well. Because this contract's not small for being who yeah, he is. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, uh, NHL draft. Yeah. Um, so the day after the NBA draft, I don't know if it always falls that way or if they're usually a little bit more spread out. I don't remember the last time that they were so close. But NBA draft was Thursday. NHL draft was Friday. Uh, our hometown Blackhawks picked number eight. Um, Rasmus Dahlin, uh, went number one to the Buffalo Sabres. That was pretty much a sure thing. Um, so he gets to go up there and play with Jack Eichel. Um, he sounds like the most NHL ready. He'll probably be up there towards the tail end of this year. Um, if not earlier than that, but the Blackhawks pick number eight. Um, and it sounded like from a, I'm not going to be the one to sit here and say that I know any of these prospects past maybe one or two. Um, but they took defenseman Adam Bockvist from Sweden, um, who I believe is like 18 years old. Um, he's 5'11", 165 pounds soaking wet. Um, but he's a kid. I mean, is what it is. But from what I've read... Um, is he an offensive guy? He's an offensive defenseman. Um, so he's a really, really good skater and he really is good with the puck. But the thing that most people were talking about was that this is, uh, this wasn't really a great pick for the current Blackhawks because this guy's not going to see NHL ice for probably two, three years. And the Blackhawks are on the tail end of trying to get the most out of the Taves, Kane, Keith and Crawford era. And there were some guys that were on the board um, that probably were closer to maybe a year away from the NHL rather than this kid who's two, three, maybe even four years away from the NHL. So that was the only knock that I really heard on the pick. Um, Apparently he's a solid player. He's one of those guys that if you ever watch a video, he kind of jumps off the ice just because you can tell he's better than all the other people around him. Um, but it's a, it's one of those things. Hockey drafts are a little bit different than the NBA. These guys are all basically wait and see. Um, this is the highest pick that the Blackhawks have had in a long time. Uh, probably the highest since they took Kane. Um, but you never know. I mean, we've got guys, Vinny Hinestroza, those guys hit pretty early. Alex DeBrincat, he's already, already up with the NHL and both those guys look like studs. So could be earlier for this guy. Maybe he adapts really well, um, but it's hockey. It's more of an ad, you kind of have to adapt to the NHL game and get ready through the minors and whatnot. Right, and you mentioned that they're at the tail end of the Kane 
uh, Taze, Keith, Crawford, Seabrook, all those guys, and they're trying to get the most out of it they can, but at the same time, you have to also think about rebuilding for the future because, mm-hmm. you know, you're in this situation because the last time you were in this situation, you hit on all these picks and you got guys right. who were able to come up and make a difference. And and I know you want to contribute now, but you have to look at it in the sense that um, you have to probably try and make more moves. I know that they're tight on the cap. You got to try and make more moves in free agency or they're, trades if you can. They're actually not tight on the cap. They've got a lot of money to spend because the cap went up to oh, $79 really? million last year. So okay. it's or it's seventy nine this year compared to it's been like seventy two for the past few years. I guess I'm um, so they've actually yeah. got quite a bit of room. What I guess where I was trying to get at was it, I'm I'm okay with them using the draft to try and rebuild the like the mm-hmm. farm system I guess rather than you know right. get guys and, that can contribute now do that with trades and free agency if you can. Yep. So the other thing that they talked about with the Blackhawks draft is they kind of assumed that they would kind of deal a few of their other picks they also picked at uh 27 i think 27 22 somewhere around there they had another pick in the first round and they kind of uh the analysts um like mark lazarus and also barstool chief uh everybody kind of assumed that they would be move making some trades um because they need to take that next step you know, last year was a huge disappointment, but they also have some holes that they need to fill. So they expected some trades. Um, I saw this morning that Tanner Kiro got shipped off for an, a minor leaguer. So that's that's the extent of what the Blackhawks did. And Tanner Kiro isn't, wasn't even going to crack the roster this year. So it's kind of you, you got to hope that Stan Bowman starts looking at free agency um, I think it's a stretch for us to be in on the Tavares uh, pool, but apparently they do have the the money to do so. Um, they would probably have to ship a few contracts off uh, some bigger guys that they might trade and then not get as much in return, kind of like what they did with Jalmerson. Um, yeah. You shipped off that big contract and then got Connor Murphy and then a draft pick or whatever. Um so that might end up happening if they did make a run at Tavares. I think that would be fucking awesome if they if they got that. If you've got a team with Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and John Tavares, I don't care how bad they looked last year. That's an instant like electricity juice right. to the to the entire team. So I I think that would be awesome. Um, I think that's a pipe dream, but it would be amazing. If yeah, I I agree. Happen. And apparently he's got a he's got a list of like five teams right now um, that apparently he's going to meet with this next week. Um, the other big one was Ilya Kovalchuk is coming back to the, the NHL. Kings. He just signed I with saw, the LA yeah. Kings. Yeah. Um, so I know a couple teams are making a push for Tavares. I know the San Jose Sharks moved some contracts around, so they had enough money to pay him. Um, I don't really know if it's about money for Tavares. Honestly, he's going to want a big contract, but I think he's more in the the idea that he wants to win because he's been sitting with the fucking Islanders for so long. Right. Um, so I think he's more in the mode that he just wants to win, which is why I think a team like San Jose, who made it to the semifinals last year, um, could end up making a push for him, and they've got the cap room to do it, so... 
that'll be interesting. But you gotta you gotta hope that the Blackhawks start making some moves via free agency or trade or whatever. Because um, not only were they bad last year, but they weren't even fun to watch. Like some teams are, some teams will lose a bunch of games like three to four, and at least they're fun to watch. But the Blackhawks were. I didn't think they were fun to watch last yeah, year. Yeah, it was rough. And they've yep. been fun to watch for like 10 years straight before right, that. Exactly. So it makes it that much harder. Um, I just saw Eloy Jimenez just hit his first homer on AAA Charlotte. So Hell yeah. some breaking news. He's working his way up there. Yeah, he'll be. Dude, so we're going, uh, my new uh, job, we're going to the Sox game August 2nd. It's a nice. day game. I'm hoping he's called up by that. That's, that's like a awesome. solid six weeks from now. It's possible. Everybody's saying that it's supposed to be after, like, the week after July 4th is when they're going to start working guys up. Maybe not all at once, but... That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's out of the question to think he might be there by August. Yep, agreed. Um, But, all right, you wanted to touch World Cup a little bit, too. Um, I'll let you take the lead here, because I haven't been paying that close of attention. Yeah, I mean, it's... There's not much to really talk about right now, because we're still in the group stage. Um, the biggest storylines right now are Argentina. Um, it was Brazil because they look so poor. But right now, Argentina is 0-1-1, and they're very close to being eliminated. Um, they need a win, and they need to win by quite a few goals, I believe. I think they need to win by at least three goals in order to advance. So Argentina and Lionel Messi are on, looking like they're on their way out. Um, there's a couple surprise teams that have worked their way into contention to go into the knockout round. Russia has looked very good, which is not surprising, given um, that the World Cup is being played in Russia right now. You think everyone's just Putin holding might back have a his hand bit. in a few of those refs' pockets? Um, but then it's just it's kind of been the the tale of two superstars for me uh early on you've got Lionel Messi who's really struggled so far and then Cristiano Ronaldo who has just completely thrived he's still got every single one of Portugal's goals and each one of them has been absolutely spectacular so right now we're still we're still in the third set of group play matches so it's still fairly early there's I think eight teams that have been statistically eliminated from the knockout round, and I think there's like six teams that have already moved on. Um, but none of the big ones, really. I know Germany, Poland, Spain, Portugal. I think all those teams still have to uh, still have to do some work in their fourth game to advance to the knockout round. So didn't what's Portugal's record right now? Then I thought they were they're they're two and zero. I'm not sure if they are this statistically into the next okay, round. Okay, they still have to um, at least they, draw or something. They basically like can't lose by four yeah. goals or something like that in their you. last game. Yeah, so I know we did, uh, I think that was last week too, when we did predictions. Um, and I picked England just on a whim, and they looked pretty good today. They won 6-1 to one against Panama. Harry Kane yep. has five goals. Harry Kane's killing it yeah. already. Um so look out for them. They're just... yeah, I like they look really good, and Harry Kane is just one of those guys where the ball always seems to find him, and a lot of his goals are very good, and a lot of his goals are kind of just ones where he's in the right place at the right time, and he just has kind of tap ins. Um, my team that I'm rooting for right now, I like Belgium a lot. Yeah, Belgium's um, played really well, haven't they? 
Yeah, they're yeah they're one of the teams that's already into the knockout they're round. Looking like a favorite. They've, they've scored like eight or nine goals in their first two matches or something like that. Um, Romelu Lukaku, who used to play for Everton, he's their striker, oh, and he is just a fucking maniac. What's his name? Romelu Lukaku. What a name, Romelu yeah, Lukaku. He's a beast, dude. Dude, with a name like that, you can just do anything you want. <laughs> right. That's probably the best part of the World Cup, all the names that you come across. Oh, yeah. There's some good ones for sure. So, when does that'll end, what, like the end of, when does that end? Like mid-July, uh, so the group stage. The group stage will end this week, or the end of next week. So, next Monday, I think the group stage ends. Um, and then we get into the knockout round. So there's 16 teams. So it's basically a tournament style until then. So probably, yeah, another three weeks, four weeks. I know it's crazy. I'm not sure how spread out they are or anything like that. It's like the same thing with the NCAA tournament. It's so hot and heavy, like right in the beginning. And then they, they mm-hmm. start funneling it down. Yep. It's like, oh, I'm so bored. I do like, I do like though that. The the timing of these are not completely messed up where like the games are live at two in the morning or something like that. Um, so it's it's kind of been nice. There's usually one early game that starts at like six thirty or seven and then like six thirty, seven in the morning, then nine, then noon. So it's kind of nice. I've been kind of keeping track at work, just keeping it in my ear or something like that. And then We've got TVs around the office, so I'll usually flip all the TVs on so that even when I walk to the bathroom or get a drink of water, I can at least check on the game and watch for a few seconds. So did you see that um, Tom Holland inadvertently revealed the Spider-Man sequel title? What is is wrong with that kid? Right? So he posted a video on Instagram um, where he he was addressing uh, something that he... He he was it was funny because the video was about him addressing that he gave away spoilers or something, <laughs> and he holds up his iPad. And he's like, "Just got the script for the Spider-Man sequel, and you can clearly see like the logo and like the title." Um, so it was Spider-Man: Far From Home was uh, a Far legend. Home. So Homecoming was the first right. one, and this one's Far, Far From, from home. home. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's something that'll grow on me over time. It seems just kind of to to from the start yeah. but do you think that these are kind of planned leaks i feel now like they have because to be they know because like right. he's done it a couple times now right and at first those were for sure accidents yeah. where he was leaking stuff about avengers and Dude, they're probably the first just like Spider-Man this guy's a fucking like idiot so we have to like plan these right. leaks now because it's just gonna happen which I think is kind of cool if they are, if they are doing it planned. I think that's pretty funny that they're doing it in a way that makes him look like he's just accidentally leaking this this stuff. Right. Um, and did you see that um, Kit Harrington and Rose Leslie, better known as Jon Snow and uh, what was her name? Egrid, the Wildling from Game of Thrones, they got married over the weekend. I did see that. So good for Basically them. The entire cast was there, too. right? Just dude, they should have just done a Game of Thrones themed wedding. He should have just wore his black, like that would uh, have been awesome Night's Watch <laughs> outfit. She could have had just a normal dress, but he could have been Jon Snow. That would have been great. So, uh, I read something also about uh, Kit Harrington that 
when he's done with uh, Game of Thrones, the first thing that he's doing is cutting his hair. Apparently, he's so sick of it. I can imagine. I mean, having to keep it shoulder length, essentially, for... In, like, eight, eight or nine yeah. years. At least now in the show, he gets it's, like, pulled back, so it's not like that, like, right. kind of, like, Kenny G. Jufro long hair look. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, all right, that's all I got. You got anything else? No, I don't got anything else. I think this was a good, quick, to the point. Um, yeah, right, we're good. All right, so as I said, we are still a podcast. We're going to get back to doing them regularly again. Uh, but thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. For Andy, this is Pat. No Jimmy. He'll be back. Full show next week. Later, bro. Peace. Anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. I just like the simple.